All right, you can sit down. <clears throat> Good to be with you again. <clears throat> you know what, Ben? I can tell I'm going to need a water, and I know where they are. They're in the fridge in the kitchen. <clears throat> well, family, if you've, been walking with <clears throat> if you've been walking with us over the last few weeks, you know that we're in a series of um, talking about things that we think are essential. I was trying to decide whether I should do a pop quiz, and I'm not going to. We're we're not that kind of shaming um, culture. So um, instead of asking you, I'm just going to remind you what the the six essentials we've already gone over are. Um, We started with being God-centered. We're centered on not an idea, but a person that we can be present with and who is present with us. We talked about being gospel fluent and that we, we uh, want to grow increasingly in understanding and communicating the truths of the gospel in every area of our life. And then that in order to, to, to um, grow in that, we need to be story formed. That's the third one, story formed, that, that we, we don't just bring God kind of-ish into our story, but rather we completely reorient our story to conform to his story and to be a part of that. Some of you are looking up. You keep looking at the slides. There are no slides today. It's technical issues on my part. Um, so you're going to have to just stay with me and hopefully it will visualize for you. Uh, the fourth one is <clears throat> that we are, thanks Mark, that we need, um, that we are committed to spiritual formation, that there is a formation plan in our city um, that is happening to us when we wake up on Monday, whether we're aware of it or not, and that we need some counter formation by the Spirit of God and how we can engage in that intentionally. The fifth one was the fact that we, in light of what I just said, need community, and we can't do it alone, and that we actually change, as our brother Ben said, in the context of relational joy in the context of community, someone who says, I'm, I'm, I'm with you and I'm glad to be with you and let's follow Jesus together. And then we talked uh, last week about shared ministry and that's the idea that everyone matters, every person matters, every place matters because we wanna see Jesus' presence brought into every place and that can't happen with one or two people who get up on a stage on Sunday but rather that everyone is equipped and sent into the place where they're at. And so we're nearing um, the end. We've said it many times. This is not a comprehensive list. It's not really even a a list of what's essential um, in terms of following Jesus. It's just eight things that we believe are essential for us in being uh, a church in Tacoma. So the the one we're going to look at today is everyday mission, which flows really well out of where we were last week in shared ministry that everyone everyone matters but specifically we want to dial in on the fact that all of us as we've been invited into Jesus story are sent to be missionaries to proclaim it okay everyday mission and then if you want to know next week we're going to focus on prayer on being a church we're going to land on being a church that prays and and um and learns to pray so that's, that's the essentials. Um, <clears throat> on Tuesday, before, uh, before things broke out with Ukraine, um, 
I came to one of our, our elders was just processing where I was going with this everyday mission idea. And I, and I said, I really, I really think I want to do this through the lens of blessing. Blessing. Mission as, as God's plan to saturate the whole world with his blessing. And then when news broke out about Ukraine, and I was like, oh man, do I need to switch up my message? I thought, wait a second, this blessing theme is more relevant than ever. The opposite of blessing is what? A curse. And as we sing at Christmas time in the old hymn, Enjoy to the World, there's a line that says that we... We need the blessing to go as far as the curse is found. And we're finding that there's still a lot of curse on our, on our planet. And we, we need God's blessing. So we're going to look at it through the lens of blessing. I was, I was, talk, I was talking to my kids, um, I think it was the night after the war, just ex- helping them explain why, why I was on my phone a lot that day talking to people. And that night we were talking about blessing and, and curses and um, where we see evidence. I was asking them, where do we see evidence of the curse of God right now? And, and they, were, they were very quick. They, were, they said, the pandemic. Pandemic is curse. I was like, very good. And then they, and then they said, and this war, this war that, because that, they, they, um, we lived in a house with a Ukrainian mommy. And so I was explaining that her dad is staying in the city to, to fight, and that she's crying because she's not sure if her mom can get in. So they're like, that, that's very much a curse. And then the third thing they said was that Chick-fil-A's playground is still not open, um, which I was like, okay, we're making some progress. But that is also evidence of the Is it open again? The Lakewood one, okay. So I... I, as soon as I get, as soon as I'm like, Jesus, thank you, you're, you're allowing me to be an amazing dad, they're really getting this conceptually, then they say something like that. And I'm like, yeah, that, that also is, I guess, it is, it is, it's not great, but let's not put it in that list, the same list. So, so mission as the unstoppable saturation of God's blessing, including the, the little things like a, a playground being shut down, God God is in inviting us <clears throat> into his story. And the, 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 the desires of my girls, are good. To, those are good desires, even the playground one. They desire, we all desire for the gospel to, um, for, the go- for gospel power and purpose to, to reach its fulfilled destiny. And that for this, this world to be renewed. If I were to ask you when the gospel was preached first in the Bible, I don't want you to answer this, but what do you think? You might, you might start looking up the New Testament, like who started proclaiming this good news? Uh, Galatians 3.8 says that the first person to preach the gospel was God himself, and Galatians 3.8 tells us that the first time God did it was way back in Genesis, in Genesis 12, when God says to Abraham that 
all the nations in the earth will be, what's the word? Blessed. That they'll be blessed. So God is, God is preaching the gospel to Abraham. He's telling what's to come. And he's saying, all the nations in the earth will one day be blessed. Again, just we need that today as we look at the news. That there, there's, as we, as we, there's many ways to describe the gospel, gospel work, what, what God is doing. You could look at the, through the lens of like salvation or restoration, redemption, renewal, reconciliation, communion. But I want you to think about this, this blessed word for a second. Because I don't know for you what that word means. For me, blessed is like kind of a really like cheap word. Like I don't, I never, I don't like the word blessed. Um, what I, I mean, do any of you guys have family or grew up in the South and the, the, little, the little phrase, bless your heart? But anyone ever heard that? Bless, bless your heart. I always like, what does that mean? Like, what is, what is it? It's this fuzzy nothingness that you are telling me. Bless, bless your heart. Or um, we always say it when we sneeze, we say bless you. Uh, we talk about like sharing our blessings or now there's the hashtag blessed, which again, doesn't mean much. But biblically, blessing, I mean, it's a rich word. It is a, is a deep weighty word and I I hope that today as we look at this we can bring back a little bit of the weight to that word Richard Bauckham in his he has a little book called Bible and Mission in which he's talking about the story of God and the mission of God he's he he brings us to this word blessing and he says blessing is in the most comprehensive sense God's purpose for his creation. It's the way he made it, and it's the way he's going to heal and restore it. It's God's purpose for all creation, like literally everything he made, but specifically also purpose for the people he made, for the people, for the part of his creation that he can have relationship with. God as a father wants his children to flourish. He wants them to delight in the abundance of his creation. Is there anything more that a parent could want for their kids than just for them to, to be delighting, to be flourishing? I love talking to parents like you in, in the front here, and your kids are growing up and getting married and finding jobs, and I'm looking at this couple right here, Monica, when she talks about her daughters and the way they create things, she just comes alive because she's like, my, my daughters, they just, they know, they design these beautiful things, and, and she's delighting because they're delighting. That's what the father wants. Blessing is the gift of the Father, our Father, so that all of his kids might flourish. He wants that. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to, 
to enjoy what he's made. But it's also a relational world, a, a relational word. Because you don't just enjoy the gifts apart from the giver. And our Father wants us to enjoy his gift, gifts while thanking the giver, while being in the presence of the giver. Someone said that gratitude, this thankfulness, thankfulness is at the heartbeat of all of Paul's letters. He always, he always begins his letters with, with um, this thankfulness little section. And it's connect to being, to being blessed. Look how Ephesians starts. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the... Do you hear all the blessing words? This is not a cheap use of the word blessed. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. The Father wants us to experience blessing. He wants us to be blessed and to know the giver of blessing. He is the source of every blessing, that verse tells us. That verse tells us that he is the means of every blessing, as we are blessed in Christ and it tells us to what end that we would be blessed. I love Paul's language in the, the heavenly places. He's, he's saying that it would go beyond this, that we'd be blessed by, for what we were created for, for presence of God. So today what I want to do as we, as we look at this idea of mission, we've been really practical in this series and I think we, it's helpful to be practical, but I actually want us to just look at the heart of God through the story of God in his desire for the whole world to be blessed. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend most of the rest of our time just walking through the whole story and seeing God, first of all, first of all as a missionary God, he is a missionary God, and then secondly, with his desire to see people experience the blessing and experience the giver of the blessing. So if you would, you, uh, pray with me, and then we're going to look at the, the whole story. <clears throat> Jesus, again, we, we recognize that we need your blessing. And um, we want to start with just the acknowledgement that we know that you want us to experience more bless, the, the, your blessing even more than we do. And so right now, you are more intent on what could happen with us being gathered and with your word opened over the next 20 minutes. You are more committed and intent on caring for our hearts than even we are. And so we ask that, that you would show us through your story, your heart for us, and that it would change us, it would draw us close. Amen. And we've been basing this series in the book of Ephesians, but not walking through it verse by verse, but rather drawing out 
um, these eight different essential themes in the book. And I want to read uh, in chapter 2, Paul very quickly gets to this one strange reality of the people that he's addressing, the people that he's writing to. So in chapter 2, let's um, start in, in, verse, um, in verse 11. Paul says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. I think I probably already lost a bunch of people because he just, he, he, the way he writes, you're like, okay, I thought we were doing well. And then what, he really did just say something, okay? He said, you Gentiles who are called the uncircumcision by those who are circumcised. So he is talking about body parts right now. He is also talking about two different groups of people. And he's actually, I, didn't, I, never, I never realized how intentional he is with that first little opener. He is saying, hey, you people who have not been a part historically of the people of God, you Gentiles, not Jews, you Gentiles. And then he goes further just to make sure that he, his readers know who he's talking to. He says, you who have been called the uncircumcision. Now, it took me just a little bit of study to realize that I've been missing, missing something right there. That's a derogatory term that Jews would use with people who are outside of the, the people of God. They would call them the uncircumcised. Like, it, it, like you dirty, uncircumcised people. He's, he's saying, hey, I know that historically you've been on the outside. I want you to know I'm talking to you. This is for you. God's mission, God's blessing is surprisingly going to those on the outside. Okay? So if I lost you in there, I hope I got you back. So he says... Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And in verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You who are far off have been brought near. Um, A guy named William Henderson says, He's talking to a group of people who are Christless, placeless, friendless, hopeless, and godless, and saying, I have good news for you. You get to be a part of, through the lens of what we're talking about today, of God's blessing. You who are far off were brought near. And that's paradigm-shifting news both for the insiders and for the outsiders. And so the lens of mission, while the word mission isn't ever stated in Ephesians, 
It's all throughout because this is a book to the Gentiles saying, you are far off, placeless, friendless, hopeless, Christless, and godless, and you were brought near. You were brought in. I want us to go, as we're going through the story, go, we need to understand how crazy that is. So we're going to walk through the, the whole story. I want to actually read that Genesis 12 moment where I said that God first proclaims the gospel. In Genesis 12, um, verse 2, the Lord tells Abram, who's called Abram at that time, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then verse 2 says, this is God's promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse Uh, Sorry, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Just a little bit of of Genesis context. The first 12 chapters of Genesis, the first 11, are dealing kind of with the history of the world and kind of this cosmic picture. And then in Chapter 12, there's, in the rest of Genesis, there's this huge shift, and God like focuses on this one person. And some people have pointed out that in the first 11 chapters of Genesis of the Bible, we find five curses, and in this moment, we find five blessings that are saying, I'm going to counter the curse. I have a plan. So this, this little um, moment is going to be repeated to all the patriarchs, to to Abraham's sons. There's two parts to that promise. Did you hear it? There's two parts. One is what? They will be blessed. But then there's a second part. Through you, the rest will be blessed. You'll be blessed. But part two of the story is through you, the rest will be blessed. And what's funny is that they keep forgetting part two. Like, they, they, they keep, like, they, he keeps saying, there's two parts to this, you'll be blessed, and through you, they'll all be blessed, and they keep forgetting part two. Thankfully, that never happens to us. We don't do that. We don't just pray for our own blessing, and we, we always, this, this prototype problem is our problem. Like, there's two parts to God's plan. We'd be blessed, and through us, the blessing would, would extend. The, the Jews, um, sadly, like many of us, do you guys do, how am I doing with sarcasm? I always feel like I like half of you laugh, and then some people are like trying to figure out what I'm, that they, they, um, they often saw their election and their covenant as simply privilege, and they forget that it, they're meant to be a, a blessing. Bill, Bill, a guy named Bill Dombrell said that this text, this text, that little promise that I just read, is the theological blueprint for like the whole history of the world. For the whole history of the world. Hold on, I'm missing one page, and I'm like trying to find it right now. Why am I missing page?
Huh. I'm literally missing pages four and five of my sermon. Oh, oh well, yeah, some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. Okay, here it is. Here's, uh, here's the missional direction of the story. If you remember when, when Ben uh, went through the story of God, we introduced six symbols or six chapters, okay? Um, this is the, the missional direction of God's story. First of all, in creation, we have God blessing creation as humans. And then what happens in the fall? That blessing is replaced with a curse. But then, right after that, there's a promise Right on the heels of that curse, there is a promise of restored blessing. And what does God do? He elects one covenantal people. He restores blessing to them. And through them, they are to be like a channel of, of God bringing this life-giving water to a parched land. That's that, that, that third chapter, that, that, that promised chapter. And then... Jesus comes and is going to deal with the main problem of the curse. He's going to deal with the problem of sin and rebellion and restore what he intended. And he's going to do that in the, la- the, 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 the fifth chapter through a new people that he elects. And one day it will all be done. So I want to, um, let's look at a few little moments in that waiting period before Jesus came, God gives this blessing, this blueprint for his plan to Abraham, and then Israel becomes the people through whom he is going to bless the, the nations. In Exodus 19, um, we have God coming to Israel. They, Israel has been silent. Uh, they have been not hearing from God. He has no, no calls from God for 400 years while they're in Egypt. And then God comes to Moses on Sinai and he says, Moses, tell, tell the people, you yourselves have seen what I've done for you. And now here's your job. You will be my treasured possession, a priestly kingdom. That pre- priestly kingdom, the priest's job is to mediate God's blessing to a, to a people. And so in that moment, it, God, we're finally getting some like real uh, picture of what God was talking about to Abraham. He's saying, okay, here, something's about to happen. You are going to be a, a nation, a people that are going to not only show the nations what God is like, but they're going to experience it through you. You are going to be priests. You're going to be a display people. You're you're going to showcase the world of what it looks like when you're in covenant with a God, a dad who wants you to be blessed. This is what it is going to look like. And God gives them, in that moment, the law, which might kind of seem like a downer. Like, okay, great build up, and now he gives them the law. Now, 
again, I already talked about blessed and my, like, con- my connection with blessed being a super cheap word. Law, again, I think in some evangelical American, American uh, circles, just found, seems heavy, just seems like a not law. We don't need the law. Paul talks a lot about that, right, in the New Testament. Like, we don't need, we need grace. There's a psalm in which the psalmist talks about the law as sweet honey. It's like your law is like sweet honey. Rachel, you need to, we have some poets among us. Rachel, last night we had a feast. She was writing poetry. Like imagine, like I'm going to, I'm going to write a poem about the law. And he's, He's saying it's like sweet honey. Why? The law was God's blessing. It, it was him saying, hey, yes, you're living in a cursed land right now. But here is my law. This is what it looks like to be human. This right here is what it looks like for you to flourish. Here you go. He's like serving it up. This is the law. I, the law of Israel was distinct. There was already a bunch of laws. It wasn't like, I mean, they just came out of Egypt, super civilized, a lot of really clear laws. You know how, you know why and in which way Israel's law was distinct? Israel's law when you get to the, to, to the end of it, Israel's law protects the weak, protects the poor, cares for the marginalized, while every other nation's law protects the powerful, the wealthy, and the landed. This was a new way to be human. How much has changed? Our laws. We're, we're even, we're, again, this moment in Ukraine is another example. And Putin literally has quotes talking ab- about his ideology of power. The church has a different law, a different calling, which if fulfilled and lived out, is going to bring blessing to everyone. No one is excluded. Everyone gets to gets to flourish. The law of God took care of the vulnerable. If people lived it out according to the law, according to Deuteronomy 40, then the idea was that these surrounding nations would look and say, who is your God? How is this working? Everyone matters. Everyone's flourishing. Who is your God? And where did you get this law? Where did you get this from? You live in such a righteous way. That was the idea. God has a, a display people. Um, a guy named Tom Wright says, Israel living out the law was to function as a people to show the rest of humanity what being human was all about. A people called to model genuine human existence. The history of Israel is merely a commentary on the degree of Fidelity on the degree of fidelity to which they could live out this Sinai-given vocation, this moment. The rest of the story is just saying, how are they going to do with this? Are they, are they going to do this or not? To forget this aim 
of God's covenant with Israel. That to forget that it is for the sake of the nations is to betray the purpose for which the covenant was given. And then he gives this little metaphor. He says, it is, it is though the postman were to imagine that all these letters that he's carrying are for him. Which I think is a good, that's a good picture. It's like, you have, you have one job. Get the message out. Like, blessed to be a blessing. And it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. Jeremiah 4, one of the prophets, the prophets, if Tom Wright is right, then all the prophets are doing are saying, we need to get back to the thing. Remember remember the thing God said to Abraham? Remember the thing God said to Moses? We need to get back. And so all the prophets, like Jeremiah, Jeremiah 4, uh, they have these return messages. Return to me. If you do, I will then use you. And in turn, Surprise, part two, I'll bless the nations. It's the same thing. Again, turn to me. I will then use you and in turn bless the nations. I, I want to pause right now because hopefully by the end your heart will be primed just a little bit to say, I want the nations, I want the nations beginning with my neighbor to be blessed. I think I have a story to share but it's really important. Israel, we're, we don't dog them because they're crazy. Like, that is our story. That's literally my story every day. And my invitation right now, before I move on, is to say, do you need to return? Do you need to turn to God right now? Because if you're not feeling desire for the nations or for your neighbor to know Jesus, don't overthink it. Maybe you just need to return right now to God. And say, hey, in this little area of my life, I need to turn back to you. Maybe you've never turned to God, and right now, there's this invitation. Come to me. He has a plan. I'll bless you, and then I'll do something through you. Return. That's the, that is the message of the prophets. Israel is put on display. He's kind of hard on them a little bit, God. Like, it, it, he does keep coming back. Like, he kind of is holding them to the law, surprisingly. You know why? Because the whole world is watching. He wants the world to know what he's like. But Israel, like the rest of us in this chapter before we get to Jesus, is they, they're really good at making idols just like us, instead of being a light in the darkness, they fall into the darkness, just like us. The prophets continue to call them, say, return, return, but they also are giving some promises that there will be someone who's going to gather People up, gather, there's different, these different images, gathering the sheep back, gathering the wheat back, gathering guests back to this dinner table. All of those are pictures of blessing restored. Ezekiel 
33, I put my name on you so that I would be honored. You failed me, and my name is now profaned amongst the nations. As I was wrestling with this, I really felt like, you know what, we, we need to hear that. Like, there's something about the, this reality that the hard prophetic word of as we, as we actually don't live out the character of, of God in the nations amongst our neighbors, like his name is profane. Now, there's, there's going to be hope for that. There's going to be hope for that. But I needed to hear that this week. I was like, man, I'm actually profaning God's name when my neighbors fail to see the richness of what it means to live under the blessing of God. And the prophets are super clear. And if I had two more hours, I could share the other pages. I'd, like, they're like super clear. God wants the nations to know what he's like. Be this display, people. Some of the prophets, Ezekiel, he talks about, he gives an image of dry bones. Just, they, like, it's really stark images. But they also give a promise. This blessing is going to come through a king, through a, a Davidic king, one of their greatest kings. And he is going to gather and bless the sheep. And then also, he uses this, this phrase, bless the sheep from another fold. It's going to go beyond just this one nation that God, God picked. Psalm 72, all the nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. So we get to Jesus in our story, right? We need to get to Jesus. And what happens? Jesus comes Everywhere he goes, I, I, I had like started in my slides that didn't get to you drawing like this Venn, Venn diagram. If you like just think of like this sphere is blessing, this sphere is curses. If you go back to the beginning of the story, guess what? We just have one sphere. There's like no curses at all. It's amazing. That's the, what, what, what it looked like to be in the garden and that's what we're destined for. And then we have a lot of this in-between stuff where it kind of like overlaps, goes out, and then it's like, oh my goodness, you're living way over here in cursed zone. Then Jesus comes, and it's like this beautiful, wherever he goes, blessing, blessing, blessing. Like, it's just like the curse, wherever he goes, people are healed. People are seen. The marginalized are like lifted up and he like speaks their name. He looks into their eyes. It's like the curse, the curse can't, can't, can't stand in his presence. So this, this circle of curse, like wherever he goes, he brings blessing. And you think, well, this is great. He's going to, maybe if he just keeps going, he'll erase all the curses. And then there's this like super crazy twist. Or it doesn't go that way. He gives us a picture in his life of what, what, that, what the, whole, the, the whole time, what was supposed to be happening. And then there's this crazy twist where he takes on the curse. 
That's what the New Testament tells us. He takes on the curse. He becomes cursed for us. He is cursed, and everyone who was paying attention at that time knew the saying from the Old Testament that he who hangs on a, on a tree is cursed. And they see him hanging there. And honestly, they, they thought, well, never mind. We thought this was going well. He did the little eraser thing, bringing blessing everywhere. And now here he is, like, absolutely cursed. But that is what was needed. In order for us to be blessed and to be a blessing is for someone to to deal with this issue of the curse from the beginning. And then he leaves. It's not like this big moment where he does all this. He just like has a few meetings and then he leaves. And then in Acts 1, he sends his spirit, and something crazy happens. There's a shift when Jesus dies, raises again, has these meetings, sends his spirit. There's, there's, a, there's a shift. It's a shift that um, I believe, again, where are my notes? Leslie Newbegin calls the grand shift of direction where up until then, there was a people that were supposed to be this display people where if people came, they'd be like, oh, that's what God's like. Cool. And suddenly there's this shift where instead of, hey, look, it's, hey, go. Go. And Jesus commissions them. And then they receive the spirit of God in Acts, in Acts 1. And things go kind of crazy. And by Acts 2, we get this crazy evidence of a blessed people where it's like the the author, Luke, is just like, who's a doctor and probably not like me, just he's very meticulous. He just like starts scribbling down and they like, they start sharing everything and everything they had in common and they, they lived this beautiful community life and, and, and many people looked at this group and said, holy cow, and they came to Jesus. Like, suddenly it's like, oh, that's what was supposed to happen the whole time, right? They, they would look at God's people and say, oh my, I want to be a part of this. And that's what happened. So, we're, so if I'm not doing a very good job without my slides, we are in the chapter that we are in now. Jesus came. He showed what it looks like to be the blessed people. Turns out there's only one, one person. He then died, took the curse, and then he says, go. And the direction shifts from, hey, look at, look at this people to like, go. Make it so they can't get away from you. Like, just keep going, like, together. And they will see what I'm like. And they do. And we, we talked about it last week, the history. It was ridiculous. Like, like to this day, 2,000 year, years later, I, as I talked about last week, sociologists are trying to figure out how did this spread so quickly? 
how did this spread so quickly? And I, I think last week I focused more on just like the, the math and the numbers of what it looks like to, to live an in, incarnational embedded life. And I didn't focus on like this other aspect that it's like it's the spirit of God doing work when people interact with a blessed group who's experiencing the blessing, whose law is different than the law of the nation. And people are like, okay, tell me more. And the spirit of God draws their hearts to him. God is a good missionary. He's a good God. So Acts 2, crazy evidence of this blessed people. Um, And we get into the first Gentile church. Back to what we're talking about here. Suddenly, the people of God get to be the people who were once were not the people of God, which is pretty cool and pretty amazing. There's a guy named Roland Allen. If you want to read um, about this crazy thing that he calls the spontaneous expansion of the church, he says, we look at Acts 2, and this is what we see that enabled the church to gather the nations. We saw this attractive lifestyle being lived in the community. We, saw, we see this spontaneous verbal witness of unknown witnesses, and we see the planting of more communities everywhere. It's not just me sharing the story. It's me going with a group of people to Lakewood and planting a new community of people, of going to Gig Harbor and living out this community where people can see this new, this, 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 this law, this new, this way, like lived out in relationship. That's why we're committed to missional communities, and it's not just this concept we have. You can take away the language, but we, or whatever you want to call it, but we want people to like bump into you, to like come to your awesome new house that you guys are setting up, and and but and 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 not just meet uh, a couple, but meet you guys with a community and saying. When they go, they leave, they say, did you see how he, like, was caring for that person who really had nothing to offer him? Did you see how she actually talked to kids as if they mattered? And all these, like, strange things are happening at their house with this group, and it draws them. And they're saying, that, that looks like a much better way to live. So we have, the, we have this intentional idea that we don't actually think that people coming in to this room will fully understand what it means to live a blessed life. This is so important, and we'll describe it, and we'll preach the word, but then we want people to actually come and like experience it. So Acts 28 is kind of the end of the story um, of this like expansion, at least in the Bible, but it's, it's really not. It, like, it finishes, and it kind of finishes on this to-be-continued note. And the idea is that we are to be the previews of God's blessing. We are to preview what is to happen. Isaiah 65 is a moment that shows us where where it's going, the last chapter. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord. That's where it's going, a people blessed by the Lord. In the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22 Again, this word blessed, 
Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Just a lot there talking about a blessed people in the presence of God. So God's going to fully restore the blessing. But until then, right now, we're in a chapter where we are to live the blessing, where we are to speak the blessing, and we are to do the blessing. We are to do the blessing. And I have a list, um, and this is from a guy named Michael Goheen, who wrote a book on the mission of God called Blessed to Be a Blessing that I really got a lot of my heart stirred for this. This is his list. He says, hmm, what will it look like? And Michael Goheen, just by the way, he, he wrote a really great book called Drama of Scripture, which is where um, those symbols that we got, he actually kind of articulated those six chapters in a really helpful way in the last few decades. And he's very, very connected with our Soma family in the area of Phoenix. So just, just a cool connection. But this is what Goheen says. He says, this is, this is what's going to happen if we live out the blessing. He says, people will find themselves interacting with this kind of community. And I think there's like 10 or 12. I'm just going to go through them. He says, people will encounter a community of generosity and contentment in a world gone mad with consumption. It's crazy. You'll have the the blessed contentment in this cursed, needy, greedy for more. People are like, wow, they look very blessed. They're so content. You'll have a community of thankfulness in a world of entitlement. In a world that is so quick to say, hey, you deserve a retirement, man. You've, it's been a long time going. You're entitled. You'll have this community of thankfulness. No, I, I, I can't believe I have anything. You'll encounter a community of truth, of gentle boldness in a world of relativism and suspicion. This strange, blessed community where there's not ambiguity, but it's just people speak truth and true words and life-giving words. A community of self-control and marital fidelity in a world saturated by sex. They'll bump into this community and there's like amazing relationships. I love this about our church, by the way, between men and women that aren't going anywhere. It's just two image bearers loving each other as brothers and sisters while being faithful to their wife or faithful in their singleness. Like, I have some great relationships with my sisters who are image bearers of God, and the, uh, the world needs to see that. They need to see fidelity. They need to see something, this contentment and this honoring. Um, there'll be a community of compassion in a culture of apathy, a community of justice in a world of injustice, a community of self-giving love in a world of selfishness, narcissism, self-gratification, a community that fosters depth of character in a world of image, in a world of posturing. Uh, It'll be a community of compassion and lament in a world numbed to tragedy, it's actually a people that really care when people are hurting 
or when a nation is at war. A community that uses language to build up rather than tear down. A community that like affirms, builds up with their words. A community of joy in a world consumed by a frantic and hedonistic pursuit of pleasure. And a community of wisdom in a cluster storm of information. There's a, a poet that says, information is showering down on us, but we have no loom to weave the threads into a fabric of wisdom. This is a community that actually, together, are committed to each other's spiritual formation and all this barrage of information and disinformation together, we say, no, that's not true. That's not helpful. And we don't just live with all this stuff in our pocket and on our, on our computers, but we actually together live wisely. And people see that and say, man, that looks like a blessed way to live. You don't seem as overwhelmed as I do. You don't seem as worried as I do. We're still to be that display case. Now, this summer, we are going to spend our whole summer walking through a series of what it looks like to live this blessed life on mission to our neighbors. And we are going to um, use the acronym BLESS to talk about five ways that we do this in everyday life. And as some of you have been a part of SOMA for a long time, we, we've talked about living on mission in the everyday rhythms of life. We use that word, and it's a great word. There's a rhythm to life. And the bless, I'm just going to give you kind of the five, the B-L-E-S-S, and then we're going to continue to walk through that over the summer, as the summer approaches in a while. But there's this normal... This isn't us like, the, the invitation isn't to do something crazy. It's just saying, okay, the normal stuff that you're doing, remember you're a display people, and talk about the giver of the blessing. Like, that's all it is. So the blessed acronym is, the first one, B, is bless. And that's saying, be a, be a blessing. You are displaying the character of God as you see areas that are cursed, that are experiencing the curse, that could benefit from the, the giver of blessing and bless. Bless. Bless people. See a need. Do that together in community. See, fulfill a need. Find if you see someone who's hurting, who's, who's needy, do it. And even with nothing spoken, they are experiencing the character of, of God just with that blessing. Well, in order to do that, B, L, listen. We have to listen to people's stories. We need to listen to what people are trusting in, where they are finding hope, what they are hoping for. And we need to listen really well for that story that they're believing. And then we need to listen to God and hear from God, okay, wait a second, give me wisdom right now. How, how is that not? your better story and how can I make you look really good because he does always look good how can I best tell your story in a way that this person needs to hear so we we bless people and we we listen 
That's the second rhythm. B-L-E is eat. And it is the middle letter. And it's kind of the center. If you want to make this really simple, just let it all revolve around your feeding rhythms. Feeding, why did I say that? That sounds weird. Your eating rhythms. People, we're about to go to a table that we do every week as the gathered people we eat. And as we are eating, we are reminded that Jesus has sustained us and given us everything we need. So go ahead and take every opportunity that you have when you're eating to let someone enter in and for them around your table to experience what it looks like to have a a meal as a blessed family, a part of the family of God. It's the best way. We had a really fun evening last night, an amazing feast, and it is just a lot easier to talk about God's lavish gifts while you're eating food. And we've, we talked about that that was kind of Jesus' strategy in the Gospel of Luke. He's always on the way to a meal, eating a meal, or just coming from a meal. Like, that was his mission. That he's like, let's just do it around the table all the time. So eat. Invite people to your table. The, like, a table is a, I, I could talk a long time around this. The table is a sacred place where there's something about sitting down at someone's table that communicates the heart of God, especially when it is somebody who's like, man, I'm really surprised I got invited to this table. And that is literally what it means to be a Christian. Man, I'm really surprised that I got invited to this table. So eats the, the third one. Then we have S, the first S. There's two S's. S is Sabbath or read play. Like where you, um, whatever that is. Baseball, whether it's vacations. It's saying as you rest, as you play, Play like people that have nothing to prove because God saved them from everything they needed to be saved from. And let people, as they experience you playing and resting, be like, okay, there is a much deeper thing behind the way these people play and rest that needs to be explained. And that's the last S. And that's speak. Because eventually... The gospel is news to be heard, and it is news to be shared. And I want to encourage you guys. I get up here. I prepare these things. I think it's helpful. I really do. I do think this matters. But when you live in relationship with somebody, and they experience a blessed life through you, the rich, everything I just described, you know what I mean by blessing, hopefully, at this point. And then, at the end of that, and in one moment, you say two lines about the fact that Jesus saved your desperate heart. It does actually speak often way more powerfully than this out-of-context 
thing that I'm doing up here. This is very important. We're going to continue to do it. But I, I, like we talked about last week, you have a story and you have a place because Jesus wants you to bring his blessing into that place in a way that only you can. And people need to hear you then explain and declare the simple story of why this is happening, what happened to you. So those are the rhythms. So we are missionaries in everything that we do. Spurgeon, I have, um, I'm not going to, well, here's, here's a brief thing from Spurgeon. This is, and the reason I'm hesitating is because I feel like he's, um, he's a little prophetic shaming in this, but he means well. He says, every Christian here in this room is either a, a missionary or an imposter. You're either a missionary or an imposter. He, he continues to say, um, recollect that. If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, he's talking about what I just said, even if you don't feel like you have eloquent words, without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love, of his blessing. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Because the man who says, I believe in Jesus, but does not think enough of Jesus to tell another about him, is an imposter. So my last invitation as we go to the table, if any of that was like, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, who are like, well, man, am I an imposter? Is just turn back to Jesus. Enjoy him right now. Practice enjoying him daily. And you will f- we will find together that our every moments really do become missionary opportunities as we can't help but just share I'm blessed in the richest sense of the word in the deepest sense of the word in that weighty sense that God wants you to be a kid that hops on his lap a dad who says you are blessed my son